episode 183 of the BizTalk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. Many of you joined us for our recent Diversity and Inclusion Summit. We featured two panel discussions and two one-on-one interviews. One of the interviews was with Kay Monk Morgan of Wichita State University. We talked about her experiences as an African-American woman growing up in Wichita, and she has some advice for those of us who are working toward a more inclusive community. She joins me as my guest for episode 183. First, let me tell you about the big story in the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week, we feature another in our new math series, focusing on changes in a variety of industries. This week, we focus on the new math of outlet malls. Our coverage begins on page 12. Also this week, a special report on excellence in healthcare. We feature the work of 19 Wichita area healthcare heroes, page 15. This week's lists, Wichita area credit unions, page six, and the area's largest minority owned businesses, page eight. We're here to help by providing business intelligence. We've got it every week in our leads section, bankruptcies, new real estate deals. You can find out who's taken out new building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, court judgments. Our leads section this week begins on page 26. Equity Bank has been our sponsor from the start, episode one. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Here's my summit discussion with Kay Monk Morgan. Kay, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Awesome, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. It's always good to hang out with you. Well, tell us a little bit about you for the one or two people who may not know who Kay Monk Morgan is. Tell us about wow. where you grew up and your uh, and your career path. You know, Bill, I'm a, I'm a native Wichitan. I don't know that there are a lot of us around. Uh, a North High School graduate, excited, um, proud to have graduated from the same alma mater as my parents. Uh, a proud shocker through and through. I've got multiple degrees from Wichita State, and that's where I work. I feel like I, I landed on campus uh, in the late, wow, late 1890 or 1899, eight, uh, 1989. Uh, and I've been there ever since. And so I uh, am serving in a dual capacity now uh, as a, the interim vice president for regional engagement and economic development and the assistant vice president for academic affairs, which just means I do a whole lot of things for just about anybody who asks me to do something. Um, excited to be here and, and specifically to talk about this particular topic. It's been an issue for all of my life and, and most of everybody else's. Uh, obviously, diversity and inclusion is the topic of our summit. So one thing that I was wondering about, why is inclusion something that we're still grappling with in 2020? You would think we'd be farther ahead. Yeah, we'd certainly like to be. Uh, and, and I think we're ultimately going to get there. I think we really we really will. Um, diversity is is accounting game, is, is numerically based. Um, do you have enough difference in order to... Um, create opportunities for shared different uh, perspectives and voices. Uh, inclusion is whether or not those voices actually have a space 
in whatever area you are operating in for, for those perspectives to, to have meaning. Um, I've often heard it referred to as, you know, diversity is inviting someone to dance or to a dance. Um, inclusion is playing the music that they want to listen to uh, while you're there. And so it's a matter of our folks feeling as though they're a part of the very ethos of whatever that environment is that it to me is the, the, the epitome of, of inclusion. That's a great definition. I've never heard it put that way, but that's a great definition. Uh, we do often use the terms diversity and inclusion in conjunction with one another, but are they always symbiotic? You know, I, I, I like to think so. Uh, it's hard to have inclusion if you don't have diversity. Um, you've, you've got to have a diversity of thought and experience in order to, to even be able to speak to uh, an inclusive environment. Um, it's difficult to have one without the other. It, it, I guess it could be possible. Um, in lots of places, we see diversity. Uh, and, and to your point earlier, we, we've been able to kind of uh, hang our hat on the fact that we could say that we have a diverse workforce or we have a diverse student body. Um, but there really isn't a whole lot of evidence uh, of, of those folks being empowered in those very systems. And so I think differentiating uh, is that level of empowerment and engagement uh, of those voices and perspectives. Over the last uh, six, eight months or so, I've had some really interesting discussions with my friends who look like me and who do not look like me. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about how understanding or acknowledging inherent privileges help make someone a, a better ally in this movement, in this effort for uh, social justice and racial justice? Yeah, I, I think, Bill, it's been a tough time for so many of us, no matter um, what your identity or uh, your level of privilege or level of awareness of privilege. Uh, it's been a time for all of us to, to, to have to reflect on our own personal experiences and, and what are those things that have been afforded to us, um, kind of like air. Right. Um, so I, I had a, an occasion to have conversation with my my youngest son just the other day. Uh, I myself am a first generation college student and uh, proud of the fact that that I was able to do something that my my mother and her parents before her um, had not had an opportunity to do. Uh, and I've, I'm fortunate to have given birth to two young men who are now college students themselves. Uh, and as our junior is emerging upon thinking about careers and, and opportunities of, you know, what do I do with the degree that I just had? Um, I was able to literally pick up the, the computer, my cell phone, and go into my LinkedIn kind of um, list of friends and said, hey, I've got, my kid is, is, needs somebody to talk to about career opportunities. Um, would you be willing to have lunch with him or can he come and spend some time at, at your place of work for a half a day just to learn more about what it is that you all do and whether or not these things work? Um, that's a privilege, right? Uh, that's, a, that's an honor and, and it's not something that everybody could do. As a first generation college student, I graduated as an African-American woman in 1993 with a degree in chemistry and I had no idea how to use it. My parents couldn't pick up the, the telephone or go to a Rolodex and say, hey, let me call my friends to see who I can connect you with or, or what are the business connections that we can make on your behalf. That's privilege. 
Uh, and so uh, one of the things that I think has been a, a really hot button piece is, is the assumption that some people have it and other people don't. Lots of people have privilege. As an African-American woman with multiple degrees, uh, I have extreme privilege in some spaces and in circles. And then there are other places where that privilege evaporates pretty quick. Uh, and so understanding um, that no matter where we sit, there are things in life that have situated us to have access to things that other people don't have access to. In many cases, not as a result of anything other than their birth or the positioning of their birth. Uh, and acknowledging that and being able to even see my own privilege makes it easier for me to speak with compassion with my colleagues who have even greater privileges than, than I might. Um, be able to, to speak to. And so I think it's important to, to just be able to, to um, be introspective uh, and to be curious and to acknowledge that um, some things are more difficult for other people for reasons that have nothing to do with who they are. And, and that helps us to, to be an ally both ways. Being reminded of, of my privilege helps me not be angry with some of my white male friends who sometimes don't get it. Uh, and it helps my white male friends understand that when Kmart Morgan shows up in the room, it's not by accident. Um, no one necessarily invited me. I had to work really hard to get to that space. Um, and so I, I think it helps us all be better people. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it in that those terms that you may have privilege in some situations and maybe not as much in other situations as well. Very yeah. interesting. We, we often hear phrases like, hey, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. What do you think is kind of harmful about these kind of these thoughts or comments? Yeah, I, I, I think that is, is a way of, of some of my colleagues and friends um, trying to pay homage to who they know me to be at my core. Uh, and so it's one of my, my grandma would say, you don't charge it to the head, charge it to the heart. Uh, or charge it to their head, their heart, not their head, um, or vice versa. Um, I, I think this is one of those things where it, it goes back to a statement I made earlier. Um, the fact that I'm here in the spaces and places and operate in the rooms that I get a chance to operate in, much like many of my colleagues on campus, um, was not an easy task. Um, it, it, and and um, statistically, um, would it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> Uh, for me to be in the space, uh, and, and again, not just Kmart Morgan, but so many of my particularly African-American and Hispanic colleagues, if you look at any number of data uh, around educational success or, or disparate economic outcomes, um, African-American folks have a tougher time. So for me to get honors courses in high school, we can look at data and says that, that African-American young women are less represented in honors classes. So for me to be in that space was something special, was something different. I had to do something different. The system had to do something different. My teachers had to do something different. And so all of those things had to work in my favor. When you are of majority race and ethnicity, oftentimes those things don't are automatically in your favor. And so to say, you know what, Kay is just like everybody else, my story hasn't been like everybody else's. And that's not to say that, that my colleagues who identify as white or majority don't have stories of, of deference or, or struggle. Um, but some of those things are, are, some of the things that you deal with as a person of color, literally you have no control over. 
that that shows up when you go in the room. Uh, the, the types of things that people of color have to think about upon engaging in any number of spaces. Um, it's, it's just a very different set of, 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 of burdens and uh, responsibilities. Okay, how can we be allies at any level? And I'm thinking of those who are not part of the hiring policy, policy making processes in our workplaces. How could all of us be allies in the effort to have a more diverse and inclusive community? Yeah, I, I, th I think, Bill, that starts with, with seeing the humanity in everyone who sits before you uh, and being willing to imagine a story that might be different than the one that you that comes most natural for you. Um, no matter who you are or where you work or, or the, the folks that you engage with, um, each of those folks comes with an historical background that helps under, uh, underscore and explain current conditions. Um, for me, I try to work really hard to, to be mindful of, um, people don't mean harm in many cases. And, and so you've got to give grace uh, in spaces and you have to, at least for me, I've adopted the philosophy of being as transparent as possible so that when I make a mistake and I say something that might be off color or offensive, that people will know that, that I, I didn't do that out of, out of a desire to cause harm. Um, so I think being an ally is, is being vulnerable and being able to say, I am a human who is being, and it is my, my greatest intent um, to honor the, the humanity in other people, but sometimes I get it wrong. Um, and, and to acknowledge that, I think the other piece is literally acknowledging that not everybody has the same path. And, and that's so difficult for us to do because um, our own life and backdrop is often a, um, a roadmap to, to understanding of, of what our, the basis or foundation of our understanding. Um, I am always reminded of Dr. Anna Chandler, who said, you know, uh, in one of my classes in my undergraduate degree, that history was like an accident at a four-way stop. How you d explain what you saw at the accident depends on the corner that you're standing on. And so acknowledging that um, this may be what I see and how I perceive it in my experience, from the corner that, that you're sitting on is going to be very different. Um, different, but not untruthful, um, not um, mal-intended. It's just you just don't see. And if we start with, you can't see what I see from where you sit, so please let me explain it to you and honor me in explaining it. Um, either way, I, th I think that advantages the, the entirety of systems. It's just a matter of acknowledging that I, I only know what I know, and I don't know what I don't, and being willing to hear that what you thought you knew might not necessarily be the truth. What a great analogy, the four-way stop. Yeah. Everybody has, has their, their point of view, and it may not be wrong, especially to them, but we need to get those point of views together and, and, and talk about them. And yeah, that, you bring on four, you know, really significant, the 360 is pretty awesome. Right. The 90 degree angle isn't going to get you very far. So you right. got to be really inclusive. Of it. That's what a shocker education will provide you right there. A four way stop analogy that you can use 30 years later. Love it. Um, talk about some of the resources or content. What can we read? What can we listen to that you can suggest to us so we can better educate ourselves? 
Yeah, there are a proliferation uh, of, of materials and resources that are out there, depending on your individual industry. There are industry specific um, guidelines or, or, or folks that are leading DNI work in, in those spaces. And so I encourage folks um, to connect with their, their professional associations uh, who oftentimes have um, guidance and information um, to, for, for folks to access. Other things, um, there are a couple of really cool podcasts, uh, there, the, and there's a, sh a show that my husband and I watch, Difficult Conversations with a Black Man. Uh, this NFL football player is now doing um, these kind of random conversations uh, with his colleagues and, and mostly with celebrities. Um, but finding ways, I think, to um, create opportunities to learn something you didn't know or to just to be exposed to um, different information. I, I will tell you, Bill, I was 16 years old before I had a doll that was African, that was black. I literally got a, a, for my 16th birthday, I got my first Barbie doll that was a black Barbie doll, right? Um, none of my friends understood the significance of that doll because they had them before and it, it didn't matter to them. Um, so th that notion of representation matters. So finding opportunities to put yourselves in a juxtaposition of a, 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 just a different state of mind. Um, what are you reading? Have you read a book from a, a black author? I, I literally can remember um, my friend, my, uh, I guess it was my sophomore year in college uh, where I read The, the Bluest Eye, uh, a story of Pecola Breedlove, which is the first story, first book I ever read with a black character, um, protagonist. And I thought, oh my God. I mean, and, and this was honors high school and, and the best of the education that USD 259 can provide. Um, but I hadn't been exposed to literature that, we, that had a narrative that I could really identify with and say, well, that's just like at my house. Um, reading those stories, whether they're, they're novels or um, podcasts, but just a, a plethora of, of inputs. If nothing else, it creates creativity and curiosity where folks will, will start to ask some questions and, and unpack their own learning because uh, some sometimes we have to unlearn things uh, and create spaces for new knowledge and new information. You talk about uh, your experience with Barbie and, and the, the book you read, um, Progress But Slow Progress. 2020 has been at times an overwhelming year for just about all of us, uh, whether it's social injustice, uh, the presidential election and all the elections going on, and then also everything overriding the COVID-19 pandemic. It seemed like early on, halfway through the year in the spring, there was momentum uh, with the social injustice discussions and the movement do you feel like there's still momentum for the movement uh, uh, to get rid of social injustice? You know, I, I do. I do. Um, it's it's not in the streets, um, and it, it's it's a different level of work. It's been elevated. You know, I, I um, even in doing this, uh, like you, I've had lots of conversations with friends, and uh, each one of them. Uh, I didn't protest in the street, but this is this is my com commitment and the, the way that I'm trying to do the work. Uh, it, it 
it's hard every time I do it because it, it takes a little bit out of out of your spirit and your soul to 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 be as vulnerable as as it requires us to be to to grow with one another. Um, but I, I look at the youth on our campus. I look at my own children, um, and I believe that it's going to get better. I, I believe that there is a fire in the belly. I believe, as unfortunate as George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor. As, as awful as it was for uh, our communities to watch that, Black people, that's not a surprise to Black people anywhere. Um, I don't know any person of color who's not had an, an interaction with the police that's been off-putting, including myself. Um, but most of my white friends were really surprised and thought, oh my God, that doesn't really happen, does it? To which my response is, it happens every day, <laughs> everywhere, including in my own household. Um, I think that my white friends have had an opportunity to be exposed to at least some of that um, and, and can step into spaces and say that is unacceptable. That is not who we are. That's not a part of, of who we want to be. Um, and acknowledge that that is exactly who we have been. That, that is the, the critical part, I think. I don't think we get better until we acknowledge that's who we used to be. And we're working really hard to, to, to do something different, to act different, to behave different, to move different. Um, and I believe our young people are gonna hold us accountable to that. Um, I saw on, on Facebook or some other social media the other day, a young woman who was marching, who had on a t-shirt that says, this is not your parent, your grandparents' civil rights movement. Uh, and it had an, expl an expletive in the middle of that, but I thought that was a powerful statement. Uh, as a, a person who values greatly my ancestral lineage and my grandparents and, and the struggles that they fought and the progress that they've made, um, there are those of us now in positions that can make progress in different spaces. My grandfather's only access was to march. Uh, my mother's access was to, was to vote. Well, I get an opportunity to march, to vote, and to be in leadership. And those three options together Make, will we'll help make a difference. That and the, the, the children that I've birthed uh, and then others that I've had a chance to love on, um, they too will make a, a difference. And so that, that evolutionary process of continuing to advance um, both what the struggle is and how we address the struggle, I think will continue to happen. I think we're at a tipping point. I, I, I feel like it's been really crappy to have to live it. Um, but it's also very exciting to see that the things that were are fading away. I think you're right. I think we are at a tipping point. Hopefully that momentum can continue now that the election's over. Hopefully we've got a vaccine for COVID-19 and we can get back to really talking about social injustice and, and the fight there. One of our other uh, summit panelists talked about how we need to get comfortable with having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. This was not an uncomfortable conversation, Kay. Thank you for spending some time with us today. And uh, we'll keep up with you and, and talk to you more in the future. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the time and I appreciate that the Business Journal is really interested in this topic and advancing this work. Uh, it's critical that folks in, in positions and spaces like you all help lead, be banner bearers for, for the good news and the good work. My thanks again to Kay for a great discussion. Well, we hope you're doing well. We hope you're wearing a mask, keeping your distance, avoiding crowds, washing your hands. A little sacrifice now and we can avoid more shutdowns. 
That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 183. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter and thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com backslash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.